All right. Well, I, I'm Bill Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and yeah, what, what Jim said yesterday was a really cool day it, it, for, for Ascent. We, the, the Chief Hayes Project was, was so fun to do. And, you know, we will always call it the Chief Hayes Project because it, it started with a conversation with the chief of police and said, can we help make things happen in this community? Can we meet the needs in this community? And we said, absolutely, we'll be your hands and feet. And so that's how it got started. But that it just, it just continued on and, and we, we, we're recognizing we're a regional church and, and we want to make sure that we're hitting, hitting the needs all across the front range. And so we started to spread it out even more. We're calling it the Chief Hayes Project, but we are. We're working in Lafayette and in Longmont. And uh, you guys, yesterday we got to go to Federal Heights. We, a group of us got to go to Federal Heights and work in one of the biggest trailer parks in the state. And, and we worked with a guy named Billy Bear. He is a, he is a very proud Native American that is standing up for the rights of, of, of people that can't stand up for themselves. He's standing up for, for low-income families in those trailer parks, and he's saying, man, we have got to do everything we can together to make sure that, that we're not being oppressed, but, but they are. We learned a ton about life in the, in the trailer parks in that area and how much they're being exploited, the people there. And so we were able to walk alongside them and help them in some small ways, but it was one of those t- times where you just knew, gosh, we're, we're getting as much out of as we're giving because we're getting to learn and get to see some very, very great people that are hardworking people that are just saying, I, 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 we could use this help because we're already fighting it in this, in this other area. So really cool to do that with the Chief Hayes Project. If you guys missed it, it's coming back in March. About five hours on a, on a, um, on a, on a Saturday in March, it's going to come back, and you guys can all join us. And maybe we'll even get more people out there to help Billy Bear in, uh, it, it, in, uh, in uh, Federal Heights out there, okay? So that's happening there. You guys, something else that's happening, one more kind of announcement that we want to make. Uh, we were realizing that many of you might not know of the initiative that we've had throughout this year of reaching the needs of, of Boulder Valley schools. We recognize the teachers and how much the, our teachers need to be honored and thanked. We're recognizing our admin, the administration and how much work our principals and vice principals and all the administration in these schools, how much they need to be appreciated and thanked because they're, they're not getting appreciated and thanked as much as they should. And so we wanted to, we, we've gone to tons of principles and we've said, what are the needs and, and how can we as a church help you to meet those needs? And they've told us all kinds of stuff. And we started thinking, gosh, we, there's so much stuff that's already happened. And I'm telling you this not to brag about it. I'm telling you this so that we all know that people in this church are rallying. Some of you are rallying around these schools and really meeting needs. Um, six months ago, Jim and I did a, 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 a guerrilla warfare we call it. It's a, it's, a, it's a battle between the two of us and who can barbecue the best. And the reality is it's the people that we're gathering that are doing it for us. And so they're the ones that are doing all the great cooking. But we, you, guys, you guys voted by paying for your lunches. All the proceeds from that went to Boulder Valley Schools. And we went to one of the principals and said, what would you want with this? And he says, well, here's one of the needs. He says, we do an eighth grade weekend away and he says some of our lower income families can't afford that. They can't, their eighth graders can't go. They can't afford it. He says, 
can we scholarship those eighth graders with the money that you guys are giving to us? And we said, absolutely, let's do that. And so we're, we've scholarshiped some eighth graders, and it's, they got to go on this weekend away. We, fourth and fifth graders, there's fourth and fifth graders at one of our schools that are doing, um, that are doing an after-school math and science program, and they needed people to provide snacks for them. So we just decided to provide snacks for them. Some people in the church are providing snacks for those kids. Parents are coming, they're saying, wait, you don't even have a kid that's going to this school, but you're giving us the snacks? And we're saying, yeah, we just want to help in any way we can. We're coming up on, on, on Monarch High School uh, parent, parent-teacher conferences, and we're going to be providing some, some dinners for those parents, for, for the teachers, for the parent-teacher conferences. We, we have one, this is one of my favorite ones, we have someone that picks up um, um, d- d- different pastries from Panera, And the next day, somebody else here in the church will gather all those pastries up, put them on plates, and take them. She's taken them to different schools along the front range and just just brought them into the break room of the teachers and said, this is for you today. This is what they bring. They bring a bunch of those, a bunch of plates of cookies and, and pastries. And then the note says this. It's something simple. It just says, Ascent Community Church wants to thank all the teachers and staff for what they do for our children and our community. Here's some delicious bread to show our appreciation for all you do. It's so fun to be able to do something simple like that. On our missions team, we have a couple of teachers or former teachers on the team, and they said it, it shocks teachers that they would get something that just says we recognize the unbelievable work that you are doing. That's the kind of stuff that we love doing as a church. The next one coming up, so you need to know this, the next one coming up that we're doing for our schools We had some principals of our local grade schools that said some kids are already falling behind in math and English and in in science, and they need some people to, to tutor these kids. So we've talked to them about it, and we've said, what if we gather a group of people that can be tutors for these guys, and starting in January, they would, it would spend an hour to an hour and a half a week, maybe even here at Ascent or on the, at the school, where you just sit there with a third grader and help them with their math to help them get caught up with it. The principals say, that's, what we need to, that, that's a big need for us. So if you think about that and want to do that, if you want to tutor kids, grade school kids in this area then will you go online, ascentcc.org, go to our Go teams, and in our Go teams, just say, I want to help tutor. And one of our people from our missions team will get a hold of you, and they'll give you all the information about it. We're advertising it now in October because we, we need to gather the people first and know that we have a crew. We're hoping for at least 20. And if we can get 20 tutors, then we can go to the school and say, we've got it, we're ready, and let's do this thing in January. Okay, so if you want to do that, jump on board and doing that. You guys, all these things that we're doing, the Chief Hayes Project and the IHAD and all the stuff with the schools, I read this somewhere. It says sometimes we have to represent Jesus and other times we have to represent Jesus. And in this community, in this world that we're living in today, everyone's got preconceived notions about church and about Jesus and about Christians and we have to represent Jesus again and say, man, this is his love. This is his grace. This is his generosity. 
And that's what we want to do all over the front range. And so jump on board with that. Go online. Figure out ways that you can participate in that because that is one of the pillars of what we're doing around here as a church. Okay? All right. Now let's get into this stuff that we're talking about now. We are talking about Invisible God. We're in the heart of this series. We've loved this series because it allows us to, to bring up our doubts, to bring up our questions. It's putting some words to some of the things that we all struggle with. It's times where we look at God and we just go, I can't feel you. I can't hear you. I can't see you. I, don't, I can't know you. It's hard to love you. Those are, those are things that many of us feel at one time or another, and we feel like God can be distant at times. So we're, we're looking into this more. There's a passage that we continue to look at. It's, it's, God talked about it. Jesus talked, Jesus, with, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we, we talked about the fact that, that we, God says to love our God, love him with our heart and soul and mind and strength. And I love that because he's, he's separating that out. He's saying, look, we gotta lo- you got to love God with your mind. Love him with your mind. you gotta, you got to work and know him with your mind. We've got to love him with our hearts. We've got to love him with our souls deep within. We've got to love him with our hands, with our strength. And we talked about how if God is commanding us to do it, that means it's possible to do. But sometimes we think that it's not because we feel like God is invisible. Well, today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the part where he says, love your God with your heart. I want to talk about that today because Jesus actually talks to us and addresses this issue and says sometimes God might feel distant and sometimes we feel like we can't see him or hear him or speak to him and sometimes that has nothing to do with what God is doing but it's the state of our heart and we have got to look at what's going on, what's the state of our heart. Now I'll admit, I'll admit, I'm one of those, I'm pretty shallow at times with the state of my heart. The state of my heart reacts far more, far more about what sports thing is happening than it does about what God's doing in my life. I swear, if I have to see Sergio Garcia hit another 50-foot putt for the Europeans to beat the Americans in the Ryder Cup, it's gonna, it, it just continues to break my heart. And I know a bunch of you guys are going, what in the world is he talking about? But it's my favorite thing I watch on television and every other time we play the, the Europeans, we, we get the United States gets their butts kicked in it and, and, uh, and it drives me crazy. It's my one week where I hate Swedish people, but just, just for a week and then I like them again. But it's just, it, it's, so, so my heart, my heart is, it, I'm shallow when it comes to that. I mean, I know some of you guys are too. Your heart's breaking over the Broncos. I know it is. But you guys, my heart's breaking worse because the Seahawks stink even worse than the Broncos do. So my heart's breaking over that. Stinking Rockies, man. They're putting us through it. If Trevor Story swings in another pitch in the dirt, it's going to drive me crazy. My heart's breaking over that stuff. My heart's in turmoil over that stuff. Man, that's how shallow I, I can be. But there's deeper stuff in there too. And a lot of times what we do is we let that just sit. And we just, so that's, that's me. That's me. This is my heart. This is who I am. And Jesus is going, man, do you realize that if you just let those things sit on your heart, it's actually affecting how you see my father. It's affecting that. And so let's look at the state of our heart and figure out what we can do and what we can address in there that allows us to see and hear and feel and speak to and respond to and to know and to love a God that is longing for us to love him. Father, we pray that you would help us to to do that today. As we look into your word, God, I pray that you would speak to us of these things and and help us to to see what parts of our heart are we letting just sit 
and go dormant? What parts of our lives do we need to step into and, and recognize and, and do some work in that allows us to see you clearly? Speak to us today. Speak to our hearts today, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so here's what's going on. Jesus is with his, his disciples, and he's speaking to them, and he's doing these miracles. The disciples are there, and they're following him, and, and they're seeing and they're, they're, they're right there with him. But crowds are starting to follow him as well, and they're getting more and more interested at what Jesus is doing. And so more people are coming. Guys are going to their house and saying, come on, Jesus is going to be down by the water today. Let's go. Let's get down there and take a look and see what he's, what he's got today. And so they're wanting to hear more about what Jesus is doing. They want to see what Jesus is doing. The disciples are panicking around this stuff. You know, that's where the, the, they, there's 5,000 people there and they had to feed them all and Jesus fed them with the fish and the, and the loaves of bread. The disciples are panicked because the crowds are getting bigger and bigger. Well, Jesus is sitting there. The crowds are coming in. People are getting up out of bed wanting to hear more about what Jesus is going to say. They come down. They push so hard on Jesus that he jumps out into a boat and has to get out away from the shore to be, and, and then speaks to him from the boat because everyone's gathered in. They're all interested. What's he going to say today? What's he going to talk about that's gonna, that, that I'm going to have to really chew on today? So Jesus starts speaking to him about stuff, and then he does this. He stops and he tells him a story. Now, when Jesus tells stories, man, he, he, just, he's, he's, he wants to say things to people that they, will, that they will fully understand. He wants to go, look, I'm talking to you about this stuff. Let me just hone in right now and say it's this. It's this very simple point. And he would tell these stories. We call them parables. Simple points that he would make. Someone in the back could easily be going, um, Jesus, will you go a little deeper you know, there's always that person. And so Jesus is going, no, here's, here's my point right here. And so he starts telling this story to these guys. He says this. He says, what do you make of this? I love that. I love that. Hey, hey, hey you guys. Hey, all you people. All 5,000 of you sitting there crowding me out on the shore. What do you think of this? He says, a farmer planted seed. Now, you guys, we're in an agricultural community, and remember, he's using things that everyone knew back then. We might not know as much now because we're not in that, that kind of culture now. But back then, everyone knew what he was talking about. When he said a farmer planted seed, he's probably even looking over and pointing to a farmer. He's probably going, you see that farmer over there planting those seeds? Every person that's there would know what he's talking about. They know that farmers, when they would plant seeds, would get that big bag of seeds. They'd put it over their shoulder. They'd cut a little, a little slit in the, in, the, in, the, um, in the bag of seeds, and they'd grab the seeds out, and they would just broadcast them everywhere. That, that, that word broadcast, we use it now in journalism or in television. It's bro the broadcast stuff. It was really an agricultural term. It was a term that farmers would, they would broadcast. They would take the seeds, and instead of just plant them right in their rows, they would just throw them everywhere. They would just scatter the seeds. They'd broadcast them all over. And some would land right in the nice, good soil, but some wouldn't. And so Jesus is saying, see that farmer with those seeds? The people that were sitting there with them would know, yeah, that's what the, that, farmer, that's, that farmer over there that's broadcasting those seeds. Listen to what he says. As he scattered the seeds, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it. And some of it fell on the gravel and it sprouted quickly but didn't pull down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. And some fell in the weeds. You know, these people are going, yeah, I know. Some fell in the weeds and it came up, it's strangled by the weeds. Some fell on good earth, 
You know, I got this bucket of, of dirt here, and it's like you could picture Jesus bending over and just going, you know, some of it fell right in the heart of some good soil, soil that you know that that seed is going to go down deep into. Some of, the, some, of the stuff, some of the seed fell into really good soil, and it says, and it produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. And then he says, are you listening? Are you really listening? And those disciples are like, yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> their response is awesome. Their response is, um, why do you tell stories? <laughs> That's their response. It wasn't even anything to do with that story. It was, why do you tell stories? I don't get it, Jesus. Why in the world would you be in the heart of all this eloquent stuff that you're talking about? And then you tell this random story of a farmer and seeds. They're responding like any of us would. Like, what in the world are you talking about? That's what their response was. But here's what Jesus knows. This is what he knows that they don't know. He knows that the kingdom of God is at hand right now. He knows that everything that God had planned for humanity, for his creation, for who he loved, everything was coming to fruition right now in this person. That God has come to this earth and that, that right now, through Jesus, through the work that he's going to do on this earth, through the work that he's going to do on the cross, through the work that he's going to do in, in rising from the, from the dead, Jesus knew that the kingdom of God is at hand. And he knew that through that death, that all of humanity would be saved because instead of us dying in our sin, we're going to be, we get to be alive through what Jesus has done. He knows that the kingdom of God is right at hand right now. And it is even today, 2,000 years later. The kingdom of God is at hand. You guys, we cannot, we, I, we have to grab hold of that. If you are looking at Jesus as just a really good guy that did some good things, and in the end that's awesome, and, and I don't really need to follow him, you just go, man, man, Everything came to this point. All of God's plan from the past, the present, and the future is all coming down to the moment that he comes to this earth in human form through Jesus Christ. And that, that is the kingdom of God at hand. Jesus knows that. And he, but he looks out at all of these people that are coming to the edge of the shore. He looks at all these people in churches in seats. And, he's, and he looks at them and he's going, but here's the deal. They can't just observe that the kingdom of God is at hand. They can't just observe it. They can't just watch it happen. They have to engage in it. And he's going, and I need them to engage not only with their minds in seeing it and knowing it, but I need them to engage with their hearts as well. Look what it says in Hebrews. It says this. It says, the new plan I'm making with Israel isn't going to be written on paper. It isn't going to be chiseled in stone. This time, I'm writing out the plan in them, carving it out in the lining of their hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. They won't go to school to learn about me or buy a book called God and Five Easy Lessons. They'll all get to know me firsthand, the little and the big, the small and the great. They'll get to know me by being kindly forgiven. 
with the, with the slate of their sins forever wiped clean. By coming up with a new plan, a new covenant between God and his people, God put the old plan on the shelf, and there it stays, gathering dust. He's saying, man, God's plan is coming to fruition through me, and I need these people to invest in it with all of their mind, and I need to invest in it with all of their hearts. It's why Paul in Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So he's talking, it's about heart and head. And too many of us will want to just keep it at head because think about how much more complicated it gets when he's saying this is going to be about heart too. And it's going to be about relationship. That gets complicated. It would be way easier if he would just say, so just get to know that. Just watch it. Just sit in the chairs and watch. But man, to have to engage in it, it means something different. It means it's about relationship. It means with every relationship there is risk, and every relationship there is work. When Jackie and I were first dating each other and, and, and we, we started to really like each other, man, we knew that there was a risk. There was a, we had to risk our hearts. You had to risk that you had put your heart out there and know that it could be broken. I mean, Jackie was so infatuated with me that she knew she had to risk that. <laughs> Come on, I was infatuated with her. She could care less. She had 500 guys, and I had to make myself known to her. She, but but I, you knew we had to risk. Every relationship you have to risk. And every relationship you have to work. We do, that, we do premarital counsel, and that's one of the first things we say to a young couple that's just going, this is going to be so great, I can't wait to just get married, it's going to be so easy. Uh-huh. There's going to be work. There's going to be a lot of work that has to take place to make this happen. It takes an investment of the heart. And Jesus knows this, and he knows that's going to get complicated. An investment of the heart. Man, it, it's, it, he's saying... And it's going to take an intentionality into that investment of the heart. People have asked me how things are going at home right now um, because, because I've, told, I've told many of you that, that, that we, um, Jackie and I were preparing for Empty Nest and we had just two more years left with our youngest, Abby, and, and then we were going to be empty nesters. But then our, our, our other children decided to come home. And so uh, Ella, my oldest daughter, she decided to come home after college, but she brought her fiancé with her because they're getting married next summer. And so, uh, and so she brought her fiancé home. In fact, um, um, they, they just bought their, she just bought her wedding dress yesterday. So I got the text that says, I got my wedding dress. And, and really, I bought her wedding dress yesterday. And... <laughs> I was in tears, um, not because of the price, but I was in tears for that too. But it was, it was, it's just so fun to see my daughter's getting married. And, and so her and her fiance are in my house. Jack, he, he, for his senior year, wanted to come home. So he's in my house and he got engaged and he's getting married next summer. And so we got two weddings next summer. <gasps> we got two weddings next summer. And, and, and so, so we've got those guys, those four, because his fiance decided to come and live with us too. And then Maggie comes home every once in a while on the weekends. We got eight people in our house right now. And it is, it is, it is tight, crammed, always a mess. I mean, it is, but it's fun because our family's together. 
But if I, if I, on the good side, our family's together. On the hard side, if, when people really say, now, how really is it? I say, there's one word, shoes. There's so many stinking shoes in my house. Every one of our kids have five pairs of shoes. And so there's 40 pairs of shoes laying all over the place. And I'm like, I'm drowning in shoes right now. That's our life at home. Ella comes up to me a couple weeks ago, and she says, Dad, a friend asked me how our fa- how, how it's, what it's like being home with all the family. And she said, to be honest with you, sometimes it's good, but sometimes it just feels like we're coexisting. That we're not, we're not really engaging in each other, we're coexisting. She said that to me, and I said, okay, whatever, Ella, I'm watching television, you know. So we just kept watching TV. <laughs> but it made me think about it. It made me think, you know, how often are we just coexisting as a family? Because we're not engaging, and we're not putting that effort towards it, and we're not, we're not being intentional with it. My son Jack and I used to have lunches every Wednesday when he was on campus at CU, and we'd, we'd be able to check in every Wednesday for an hour. And now he's living in our house, and we just talked recently, and we said, gosh, we felt way closer when, when I was back on campus because we'd check in, intentionally check in together, and now we just assume it's going to happen. And so what's happening is we're coexisting in the midst of the chaos. And we do that in all of our relationships. You do that with your roommate. You do it with your siblings. You do it with your parents. You do it with your kids. You do it with your workmates. We coexist in the midst of the chaos. And did I just describe our relationship with the Lord? Are we coexisting? In the midst of the chaos. Because this is what's going on in my heart and it's uh, there's nothing I can do about it. And I'll just keep coexisting. And I'll get to know you more. But I'm not going to, I'll get to know you here, but nothing's going to happen here. We choose to coexist in the midst of the chaos. And Jesus knows that. And so he's telling us this story. He comes back and he starts to explain this story. He says this. He, says, he starts talking about these seeds. Now, you guys, we've got to think about it. The seeds of God are, is, is his word. It's, through the, it's the Bible and his word. But the seeds of God are really every time God's trying to get our attention. God is, spraying, is, is, is putting seeds out there. God is, is broadcasting seeds every single day to you and me. Every day, whether you know it or not. He is trying to get our attention. It's his voice it's the, through the people that he's talking to. It's through the experiences that we have. It, God is, is, is throwing out the seeds. And the question is, where are they landing today for you? What's going on? What's the state of your heart today? He says sometimes those seeds are landing on the road and birds ate it. And then he, just, and he explains this. He says when anyone hears the news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. And so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. This is the seed the farmer scatter, scatters on the road. That's the seed that he scattered on the road. He, he, he scatters it out there. It lands on something hard, just sits on the surface. And Satan, who we don't talk about that very much in here either because he's also invisible, but he is in opposition to God. And what is he in opposition to? Satan is in opposition to anything that God is trying to do to get us to connect to him. He's, he, he's the king of lies that will try to, 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 to convince us that God isn't there, that God is not approachable, that God is not lovable, that God is not hearable, that God is not, you can't speak to him. Satan will do anything he can to take the seed 
that God is throwing out there that says, I want to get your attention and say, nah, he's really not. And he'll take it easily. And Jesus is saying it's because sometimes that's landing on hard soil. Well, what's our hard soil? For some of you, you're carrying a bitterness that is, is, is so covering your heart that the seed is just bouncing right off of it. Some of you guys are carrying a pride that is so, that is so thick the seed's bouncing off of it. Some of you guys are carrying a, a, a disappointment or a pessimism or a loneliness or an anger that is so, so thick the seed is bouncing right off of it. Come on, how many times have you come to church? I mean, I'm speaking because I know this myself. How many times have we come to church where something else is so covering your heart that it don't matter what anybody says up here? It doesn't matter what song is sung. It doesn't matter what video is done. It doesn't matter what's happened. It's bouncing right off of you. You get right back in your car and you go, I, I might as well have not even have been there. Because the seed just bounces right off. And Jesus is saying, we have to address that. I know you'd rather not and hope that it just goes away. But he's going, we got to address that. we got to look at where that bitterness is and we got to start actually talking about it. You look at your doubt and doubt can be that hardened heart. And he's going, man, we got to talk about your doubt. If you just let that sit there, it bounces right off. The seed bounces right off and you don't get that nothing settles in. Then he keeps going. He says, some fell on the gravel and it sprouted quickly, but it didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. The seed that cast in the gravel, this is the person who hears and, and instantly responds with enthusiasm, but there's no soil of character. And so when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. There's a little bedrock that's underneath the surface in Palestine. And so he's talking about that seed that lands and starts to grow and a plant starts to look good. But as soon as the weather hits, there's no roots that are growing deep and it just withers and dies. And he's going, man, that's us. It's us at times where, we, where, where we, we start out and we're excited about it. But then as soon as the hardship's coming, you just go, man, I don't know if I like this anymore. When I was doing college ministry, you know, one of the hard things, freshman, sophomore, junior year, a lot of times that's when students would make those real strong commitments to Jesus and, and really want to, to live for him. But then senior year, when, the, when they face the reality of what's going to happen after college, and oh my gosh, where's my job and where's my friends and what's going to happen next? All of a sudden, it, they, they, that starts to, to make them panic around that stuff and, and, they, and, and they start to go, I don't know, maybe God isn't real. And you just go, that's, 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 a, that's a, a faith that, that grew shallow. But that's not just college students, that's any of us at any point in our, in, in, our, in our life where we will look at it and we'll just go, man, uh, we live in the half-arc experiences where it's, it's, it's really good, hard stuff, and we leave rather than keep fighting through it. One pastor said this is superficial faith, and I, don't, I disagree with him. I think this is faith with layers. I think we just have a lot of layers that are underneath that surface that it feels like things are okay, but then it hits the layers. Some of you guys have layers around church and you just go, you've been hurt by the church, you've been hurt by a pastor, or, you've been, or unanswered prayer has made layers on your heart where it starts to settle in, but then it, the, the roots stop right there. And you just go, I can't listen to that person, or I can't be in this place because the layers are there. And Jesus is saying, let's tend to that, those layers. Let's tend to those things. We've got to get, we've got to loosen up that stuff that's underneath the surface. 
He keeps going, and he says, some feel in the weeds, and it came up, and it was strangled by the weeds. He says, the seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what was heard, and nothing comes of it. Man, they were choked out, and we all know this. You know those moments in your life where the things, the worries choke everything out. For me, coming up with the two weddings and student loans that Jackie and I are going to start helping them to pay, and you just start getting so worried about the finances and all that that you just go, that, become, that consumes you, and you're not even thinking at all about what's, what, uh, the seeds that God is trying to get at your attention to do something, the attention to speak into you, because you're just overwhelmed by the weeds. But when you think about it in your yard, you guys, what's weeds in your garden? It's neglect. When you see weeds in your garden, you know I've neglected my garden. And in in Rock Creek, you know what you get when you get weeds in your yard that you've neglected? You get a letter from the HOA. And they say, fix this in the next 30 days. I started reading this, and I'm wondering if this is Jesus' letter to us, (laughs) saying, fix this in the next 30 days. Come on. you got weeds that you need to tend to because we're neglecting our hearts. We're neglecting our hearts. I sat down with our staff and we talked about this, and it was really a great conversation with the staff around their own issues and the things that they were bitter about and the things that they were they're struggling with and, and time, the, the layers that are on their heart and the, and the weeds that are, cla- that, are, that, are, that are just choking you in. And we're talking through all that and we're just going, and how in the world can we ever talk to anybody else about about the fact that God is visible, that God is, you can hear him, that you can see him, that you can speak to him, that you can know him, that you can love him. How do you do that if we can't see it in our own lives? So we said, man, we gotta, we gotta do everything we can to tend to our hearts because the state of our heart is affecting how we're seeing him. And then Jesus says this, some fell on good earth and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. These are the seeds cast on good earth that is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. That's when he's grabbing the soil and he's going, you guys, seed plant, landing in this good soil. Not only will the roots run deep, and so even when things are hard on the surface, you know there's something healthy underneath. Not only that, but it's going to produce something. It's going to produce something that other people will benefit from. And it says not just something, it's going to produce like in one translation, it's seven to ten times more than what you would expect it to produce because it's in good soil. He's saying this isn't just a message for you intending to your heart. It's a message for the person that's going to be affected by you tending to your heart. Man, that is powerful that he's going, this is, Bill... It's not just do this so that you can feel this and so that you will know this, but that you're going to affect others by it. When you choose to, instead of coexisting with me, you choose to do the work, the risk that it's going to take to settle into this relationship with me. Now, now, 
There's, I was reading Philip Yancey. He wrote a book called, called Reaching for the Invisible God. And he says, I had to come up with an action plan in my own life. I had to come up with an action plan that told me this is what I need to do to help churn up the soil in a sense is what he's saying. He, and, and this was his action plan. He said this. He said, he said Philip, he's talking to himself. He said, question your doubts as much as your faith because he knows that the doubts were going to harden his heart. Question those. Bring those up. He says, don't attempt this journey alone. Find companions that see you as a pilgrim even a struggler and not as a guide. You need other people to help you churn up this soil. Allow the good to penetrate as deeply as the bad. What if you awake every morning and go to bed every night bathed in a sense of gratitude and not self-doubt? Because self-doubt leads to the layers. For your own sake, simplify, eliminate what distracts you from God. Find something that allows you to feel God's pleasure. Don't be ashamed. Remember those people that bug you. God loves them too because he knows that all I'm doing is sitting, stewing on the people that bug me. That's keeping me from letting the seed fall into good soil. And he's saying, forgive daily those that cause the wounds that keep you from wholeness because he knows that I am imprisoned by that, by that bitterness and Jesus wants to set me free to allow the seed to go deep into the soil. I look at that list and I'm thinking, man, that's some hard stuff. And I don't know if I can do all those things. But that, you know what? That's his list. And I start looking at it going, what's my list? And, I, I, and some of those things I can pick off and I can go, I can do a couple of those things that can help churn up the soil a little bit more. I added a couple more of my own. I said, give yourself the grace, Bill, that God longs for you to embrace. Stop letting your mind go to what I didn't do, what I could have done, and what I would have changed, and what I'm still poor at, and what I wish were different. I said, remind yourself that his first thought is, I love you, and there's no thought of, I'm disappointed in you. And then I said, pray more. Not because it will satisfy God's perceived checklist, but because it works, it's powerful, and it's worth it. Because I'm looking at him going, man, I have got to churn up this soil and address the things that are on my heart that are keeping the seed from going deep into, its, into the soil. But here's what we got to do, you guys. Are our hearts willing? Is your heart willing to surrender when it needs to surrender? Is it willing to put forth the effort when it needs to put forth the effort? Is it willing to stop what needs to stop? And is it willing to start what needs to start? And is it willing to change what needs to change? Are our hearts willing to put in the work and put in the risk and trust him that this is the direction I want to go because I want this soil, I want this soil to be in great shape when this, when, as the seed is spread. Is your heart willing? But here's the deal. We're not alone in that, in working on our heart. Tim Hansel wrote this, and I love this. He's one of my favorite authors. He wrote this. He says, what's the most important word in the New Testament? Love, faith, hope, grace. No, he says this. It's the little word let, L-E-T, let. Let Jesus Christ do his good work in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let your peace return to you. Let your light shine before men. Let is a word of transforming faith with encyclopedias of meaning poured into it. Let assumes the total love and power of the creator. It assumes that heaven is crammed with good gifts the father wants to give his children. The profoundly simple word let is the gate that opens us to the power. It gives God permission to work his might in us. He's saying, we've got work to do. This is a relationship. This is something we want to work on together. This is soil that we want to churn up. 
We want to address the bitterness, and we want to address the pride, and we want to address the layers, and we want to address the worry, and all the weeds that choke it out, and we want to, we want to f- look at the state of our heart, and let me into that, and let me work with you on that. I'm not afraid of any of those things that are on your heart. And he's saying as we do that, we're churning up that soil, and we're getting it ready, because God's getting your attention. My Father's getting your attention daily, and are you ready to hear it. And that's not only his challenge to us, but he's saying, but I need you to do that because other people's lives are going to be affected by those decisions. Now I want to finish with this, you guys. Uh, it's another little advertisement or plug, but I want to finish with this today. Next week, we're going to do baptisms. Now, we've talked about that before. We've announced that in here that next week's our baptism Sunday. And there's going to be some people that are going to stand up here and they're going to get on a stage. There's going to be a little stage out here and a hot tub out here. And they're going to courageously stand up here and they're going to say, this is what's happening on the inside. This is what the work that God is doing. This is where I'm letting God work. And he's doing this on the inside and I'm recognizing what Jesus has done for me. I'm recognizing that I was powerless without him. I'm recognizing that I was, I was in my sin and now Jesus has made me alive in him. I'm recognizing where I, was, where I was, was imprisoned and now I am free. The people that will stand up here and go onto that water want to feel the water over them because they want to just feel that tangible feeling of, of, of I, am, I am cleansed by what Jesus has done for me. My favorite baptism I ever did was a, guy, a friend of mine, Jay, that when he went under the water, he told me, Bill, will you hold me under there a little longer than you normally would with anybody else? Because he says, I need to feel that water over me. You guys, the things that we're talking about here is Jesus working on our hearts. It's churning up those things that you've been imprisoned by. And it's saying, you can, we can help together work on this and have good soil where my father's getting your attention. When I was in Cuba, I had someone come to me and we were sitting on a bus and, and we were talking. I told everyone that we might we'll do baptisms at the end of the week. And she came and sat with me and she said, Bill, she said, I feel like there are so many layers over my heart. She specifically said layers over my heart. She said, there have been so many things from so many years, 20 or 30 years of stuff that's over my heart. And she said, but I feel like God is finally loosening those things up. And I feel like I'm finally able to breathe again. She says, is it okay for me to get baptized? And I said, are you kidding me? Jesus would be jumping up and down when he sees his daughter stand there and go under that water and feel the cleansing love of Jesus through baptism. And so she and six other people on that team, we all took them down to a beach. We found out later that it was a breeding ground for whitewater, or for, white, for great white sharks, and, and nobody else was on the beach but us because of that. But we baptized. We baptized six people that went under the water that said, this is what's happening on the inside. And we all got to be a part of it. Everyone that was there got to be a part of it. It's the best part of our entire trip. Next week, you're gonna, you can let anybody, everybody else be a part of it. It's going to take a massive amount of courage because you have to make that statement yourself, and that's courageous, but then do that in front of other people, and that's courageous, and going underwater, that's courageous. But don't let this opportunity go by. 
I said this in the last service and someone, she said she heard it, she teared up, she walked out, she was walking out the door and then she turned right back in and came back here to the front because Becky and I want to meet with anybody that wants to do this right here in the front. And she said, I got to do this. She said, I feel like God has been churning up this soil in me and I got to do this. I know what Jesus has done for me and I got to do this. You guys, take advantage of it if that's what's happening in your heart today. And one more thing. If you were baptized as an infant and you don't remember it one bit and you just saw a picture of you in a really cute little white outfit or whatever and you're going, I want to feel that water over me. Jim and I have talked about that and we said, yes, we, we know what, what Scripture says and we know we believe one baptism for the, for, the, for the forgiveness of sins. We believe that. But look, if you want to feel that water over you, we're just looking at it. We're going, you know what? Jesus is not going to be standing up there going, you know what? You shouldn't have got baptized. He's going to say, feel the water over you. It's not that a, baptized didn't, a baptism didn't take. It's just you want to feel that right now? Feel that. When I was in college, I was baptized as an infant, but when I was in college, I was in Philadelphia in the projects and Pastor Jenkins in this all-African-American all church and it's me sitting in the back and he says, who wants to get baptized? And I'm going, I love, I love all these people that are in this, this place and I want to get baptized. I want to tell every one of them that I'm ready to stand up and say what's happening on the inside, I want to show on the outside. So I love it that part of my story is an inner city church in Philadelphia getting baptized. If that's for you, come up afterwards, after this service, sit down with me and Becky, and let's talk about this and see if you should go under that water next week too. Jesus is at work on our hearts, and he wants us to work too. He wants us to risk too. It's more than just what's going on in here. It's what's going on here. And as we do this work together, we'll get to see him. We'll get to feel him. We'll get to hear him. We'll get to know them, and we'll get to love them. Let's work on that together. Father, we pray that you would, would help each one of us to, to, to do the work necessary. I know, Lord, that it's, it, we could, with any relationship, just say, no, nah, it's not worth it. And we could just coexist. In our marriages, we can coexist. In our relationships, we can coexist. In our families, we can coexist. I know we can choose to coexist. But I know you have something so much more for us and so much more for us to give. Help us, Lord, to go beyond coexist and step into this relationship. God, help us do the work that it's going to take to make that happen. And we thank you that you are already at work making it happen. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing one more song together.